Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to From Dial Square to Where. Now look people, okay, you all know what's going on yeah? You've got busy lives. But let's get something straight. Subscribe. Start listening. Start liking. You know it's the right thing to do. You know, at the end of the day, when you look back on your week, have you done anything to be proud of? If you ask your parents right about now, they're going to say no. No, you haven't. But if you subscribe, if you like, if you start listening, if you click on the link and start enjoying and start contributing to From Dial Square to Where, they may think a little better of you. Because right about now, guys, okay, you're not, not in their good books. Like it, subscribe to it, enjoy it. Take care, all. Honestly, during the game, I didn't see it. Treacle? People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. This is From Dal Square to Where, the Arsenal Twitter podcast, brought to you by Andrew, the Hinkley Gooner. One word of warning, it is highly unlikely to be suitable for young children. Our show, You Can Be The Star, is the most interactive Arsenal YouTube show. So far, we've had some great guests on the show, including Arsenal legends Kevin Campbell and Nigel Winterburn. The show can be seen on the From Dal Square to Where YouTube channel every Wednesday evening at 7pm UK time. The audio podcasts are available on all major platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the notification button. Like the videos and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This will really help us get found. Also, please tell your friends about From Dial Square to Wear. You can contact the show on Twitter, which is at From Dial Square or at Crack of Dawn. Also on email, which is from dollsquaretoair at gmail.com. Thanks for your support. I hope you've all had a good Christmas. Thanks for joining us. Um, Hopefully Lee will be joining us a bit uh, later as well. Fingers crossed he's got stuck in London. But um, we've got a great panel anyway. I'll go through them in clockwise order. First, Dan. (laughs) Lieutenant Dan. How are you doing, (laughs) mate? You're right. Yeah, man, I'm all good. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. Top man, really appreciate it. I had a wicked Christmas, mate, and I yeah, am sober yeah. for the first time in a few days. So that's nice. Wow, I don't know why that is. I don't. Well, that's no, <laughs> there's no reason for that at all. No, there's and, not, man. I, I thought I'd be trying to be professional and respectful for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very honest. Very honest indeed. And uh, Dan from Tapping Football, how are you doing, mate? You're right. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Love the show and uh, always a pleasure to, to come and, and feature with you guys. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back on. You've been on once before, um, yeah. 
sort of a guest. That was really it was short, a short um, period though when you were on that last time. So it's good to have you on for a whole show. Sure. And Kenny, Ken, how are you? All right. I'm all good. Thanks for inviting me. Um, it's been a great Christmas. So my Christmas present I enjoyed very much. Well, one of them was um, a Tyson Fury um, autobiography. And a second one was a bruised banana kit, our way kit. So who am I to complain? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that, is that the new release one or have you got a vintage? No, it's a new, it's a new release one. Um, I, I've never I've never put a hand in my pocket to buy any uh, merchandise. I always have my mother-in-law, my mum, my wife, and they've always been... Oh, openly generous on birthdays and Christmas. Oh, that's well trained, Kenny. That's well trained. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is, mate. And the new ones, the new release ones, are about five hundred quid, aren't they? Or something ridiculous. So yeah, you've done well there, mate. They bought me the, the shirt from yesterday. I don't think they bought me the bruised banana kit from nineteen ninety two, ninety three. I've, uh, I think I'll give it a miss. <laughs> I've seen a few of them knocking about on eBay. I've always been tempted, but uh, never taken the plunge. And then Ryan, how are you doing, mate? You're right. Good to have you yeah. back. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. We have had a good Christmas. Like you, let's hope the rest of you guys have had a good Christmas as well. And yeah, so yeah, it's been good. Now. I'm actually, I'm I know. Actually, actually excited for Sunday. Yeah, I'm quite positive. We know Chelsea have been in a bit of shocking form lately, haven't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I put a question up. Funnily enough, I was just uh, scrolling through Twitter as you do yesterday, and I think it was uh, on the Ask, Ask blog, put a, a, something out for any questions because they were just about to record. And I said, um, why do you think that Frank Lampard is completely and utterly immune to any kind of criticism considering the shit form they've been in for the last God knows how long? End of, end of October, I think, they've only won two games, mm. which is a bit shocking. But anyway, not, it's not a Chelsea show, is it? So, <laughs> quickly, got a lot to get through today. So, we're going to start off um, with our thoughts, really, on the first game of a new era, hopefully, um, under Mikel Arteta. I mean, I've got, you've probably seen my thoughts on, on Twitter, but I thought it was a, um, a really, really promising performance, to be perfectly honest, with a lot to um, like. I mean, it's the best performance, I think, of the season so far, which is not saying a lot, I know. But uh, we seemed an awful lot organised, uh, better organised than we have been. So, again, I think we'll go around and anti-clockwise uh, this this time. Ryan, what were your thoughts initially on uh, the first game for Arteta? Oh, overall, right, overall, very impressed um, going forward. Anything that let me down going forward, I don't know if you guys will agree, was the end product. That's, mm-hmm. Absolutely. But apart from that, couldn't complain. The only niggling fact is that for some bizarre reason, they, during, the, during that first half, they reverted back to old tactics of playing out from the back and it backfired and it done us up the backside, literally. And it mm. effectively cost us three points in the end. On another day, could have, we should have, on another day, we should have won that. Definitely. I think you know, we're I mean, a bit finishing. Every pass was forward. It wasn't like, oh, get the ball, we'll go backwards, sideways. It was get the ball. Forward, 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 and I can't. So in that, I can't complain. No, absolutely. I think it's it's just so nice to actually dominate possession for once and uh, mm. not have the the middle of the park for the the, the opposition to run through and pepper our goal with shots all the time. What about you, Ken? Uh, I must admit, I was very um, happy with the way. I think what Arteta did, which was very impressive, is that he kept things simple, mm. and um, I think. I was quite feeling from watching us play that it was very much like a sticky, put a plaster over the wound type of thing. 
you know, he's very clever in the fact that by um, putting uh, uh, Mesut in the side, he made sure that he picked a team so he can be um, dominate possession. Because when we dominate possession, that's when you can get Mesut Ozil into those little pockets and get him in the places where he won't, he can't be mocked by the opposition. So in that respect, I thought I was, was very happy. I thought the finishing was, uh, you know, wasn't as great as I'd liked. I think a lot, few players lacking confidence, um, especially Lacazette. Like down in confidence. I thought Reese was lacking a bit of confidence as well. Yeah. And I just felt, um, in terms of people are saying, oh, it's only Bournemouth, but you've got to realise there's our form before that. Um, if you we played Bournemouth about a couple of weeks um, ago, we probably lost that game. So you have to take some sort of positives from there. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, well, they're at home as well. So let's not forget they're at home and it's a very, very mm. small, tight stadium and they're a lot better at home. <laughs> uh, what about you, Dan? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll just uh, echo these guys' um, sentiments as well. Like, I thought it was really, really encouraging. Like The best thing about that, I thought, was the fact that, you know, it looked like we actually had a plan of how we were planning to attack, you know, for once. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the past few weeks, past few performances, a lot of the players, they didn't really have an idea when they actually had the ball to feet. And it looked like, you know, they actually had some attacking uh, uh, plans set out, set out for them. And it's, I'm, I'm really impressed that Arteta's managed to get that. Uh, drilled into the lads, you know, after what maybe three training sessions, you know, I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised as well by what I saw against uh, against Bournemouth. Yeah, definitely. Well, you can, I mean, you could see within such a short space of time, you know, you, you must have been really going through an awful lot of shit with them on the uh, training ground to to actually change the performance quite dramatically. I thought. Mm. What about, about Potsley? Now you, I'm going to call you Potsy for this show. Yeah, man, call me Potsy. It's easier, man. Two dance. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, listen, I think what you've got to look at, boys, is what Arteta um, has changed or can change in the first few games, days that he's been in charge. And I think the two things that really hit home for me was the how much we had improved off the ball. In terms mm. of us off the ball, we were so much better. Now, we've not seen that under Emery really um, over the last six months, but we did kind of see it when he first came. We started to look a little bit high intensity off the ball pressure, and that was impressive for me from Arteta. The other thing that I noticed was with Maitland-Niles and Saka playing as fullbacks, who are not fullbacks, um, both played well, I thought, and that was kind of the Pep Guardiola effect. You know what Man City do with Kyle Walker and Mendy when Mendy's fit. Um, they they kind of they drop into midfield when they, 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 they've got that midfield get the ball. And that's what I saw yesterday, which was really impressive for me. I thought the midfield was the best I've seen this season. Torreira and Chaka, that kind of double pivot was was working, um, which I haven't seen work all season, to be fair. And Ozil was actually actually did turn up. Um, I have to agree with the lads, though. I thought Lacazette was pretty wasteful and it was a mm. poor performance from him. And Aubameyang's one of those players that mentally I think he might have checked out a bit and it could be that he's off or his head's you know, at Madrid or whatever it be, but he still always gets on the end of a ball and scores. And it doesn't matter how bad or well Aubameyang plays. If you score, then that's why people don't give him a snot stick because he always gets on the score sheet. And you know he saved us again. And and you know that's why I can't scream at the at the strikers too much over the last few months like people have because they do save us. They do get us out of trouble. And uh, Aubameyang's done that again. So overall performance, I could see what Arteta was trying to do there. Um, tactically, I thought we were better over the last well than we have been in the last few games. And it was just refreshing to see a little bit of fight off the ball and uh, try players trying to win it back. The only last thing I will say 
I don't know what you boys think about Reese Nelson. Uh, I I personally don't mind a player who gives 110% and tries. And I think that what he's doing is trying. I just don't think the quality is there personally. And I hope I'm wrong. But out of the youngsters that I have seen, he's the one that has not impressed me because I'm looking at Martinelli, Guendouzi, who's still young, Saka, even Willock. Nelson, for me, it just hasn't worked out for the lad. And I don't want to give him too much stick because he's young, but the guy has had a full season out on loan like the others haven't. So I was expecting a little bit more from him. Mm. I I, I really genuinely think it's still very early days for him. And people do react to uh, confidence a lot stronger than others. And he's desperately short of confidence. I thought he actually had a decent game, apart from the final product, Mm -hmm. which is obviously very important for someone who's playing in his position. But I do think he's got a lot of talent. And I think that Arteta thinks he's got a lot of talent. You can see what what he was doing at the end with giving him a cuddle and walking off and and talking to him strongly, giving him a bit of a pep talk. Um, Pardon the pun. But I I genuinely... (laughs) I do actually think he's, he's, he's got something. And... I think we could have seen a different Nelson. You know the goal he scored, which is a great goal, by the way, against Burnley. Yeah. That was disallowed. If that had been allowed, and because it was no fault of his own, it was disallowed. And he hadn't obviously got a niggly injury at the beginning of the season, which kept him out for quite a while as well. We could probably see a different player at the moment. Because mm. he still hasn't played that many minutes for the first team in the Premier League. He's... You know, he's missed a lot of the season, hasn't he? So, mm. I don't know. I'm willing to give him a bit more time to put uh, personally myself. And this, the criticism that I saw of Saka, I think it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yes, yes, his final ball on the day was off as well. But he's an 18 year old chucked into the deep end at left back. I think he's done brilliantly for his age. And um, mm. I, I've been really impressed with Guy and his mentality and temperament over the last uh, couple of games. Um... Listen, we certainly haven't missed Kalasanak, put it that way. And this guy's come in and he's not a left-back. I will be happily get rid of this Kalasanak guy, I'll tell you that now. So if Saka has to play there and he's doing doing a good job, then I'll keep him in. And I, I think it's, it's harsh when these people give young players criticism. When there's a young player who doesn't even play in that position, then really mm. our fan base needs to look at himself because so, that, for me, is a guy who's doing a job. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And I... I always am um, of the type of guy as well who I will very much criticise players when they need criticising. But I was, if they've had a good game, I will tell them they've had a good game. And with Ozil and, and Jacker, I'm not their biggest fans. You, you, I'm sure you probably all know that. But I like to, when they've had a good game, I like to say, well, fair play, you've had a good game today. But I think so many fans, you know, I've said this on a on previous podcast, but when you're doing the play ratings and you get, you're starting the match and you're looking at the match, they all start on an even five, don't they? All the players. And then they go up and down depending on how they play. Well, I think Xhaka and Ozil, they start off on one or two instead of all starting off on five because they've got to do even more to impress people. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a, it's just out of order. I, I thought Xhaka had a really good game and I thought Ozil had a pretty good game as well, to be perfectly honest. I don't know really what the rest of you guys thought. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I think Ozil especially, you know, um, I think the main question mark has never actually been about his ability or his talent or anything like that. It's more his application and his effort levels and his intensity levels. And I think when he first came to the club you, and you're comparing him to, you know, the Ozil we've seen over the past two years, you know, he was playing at a much higher level of intensity than what he's been showing. 
you know, and then I think, you know, Arteta said, he came out in the press conference said, you know, his, his attitude and training has been perfect ever since, uh, you know, ever since I've come in. And you have to, like, ask the question, OK, fine, if, you know, he has been capable of this performances, where have these been for the past two sort of years? So it's, it'd be interesting to see whether he maintains that level over the next few games, because then you would have to say, like, you know, and what was wrong with your attitude, you know, since getting that big 350k contract, you know, because everyone's always said that the talent is there with Ozil. And I think with Xhaka, again, like people have always said, you know, he tries, he gives, he wears his heart on his sleeve kind of thing, gives 100% every time. But I think with him, you know, you can get a good performance like this, but then, you know, that mistake when you're passing the ball to, you know, the opposition in our final third or, you know, you're diving in two-footed uh, with someone in our box is, is always around the corner. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's about consistency with both of them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we've had a question by um, from Carrie Tannenen. Hopefully I've said that right. Should Ozil go? And, you know, of course, we need to get him his wages off the books, but I don't think anyone's going to buy him, obviously. And I think it, it does annoy me when everyone, everyone still brings it up every single time. Oh, yeah, but that's not a 350 grand performance, is it? That, you know, even if he puts in a, a seven or eight, eight out of ten, that does annoy me. It always gets brought up. And that's, that's done, isn't it? We can't keep going back and going talking about his bloody contract. But I think if we're going to um, have to keep him until the end of his contract, which I think we undoubtedly are, then we've got to play him. Because he's still our best player in that position, no doubt. And so he says, should he go? But it's not that easy, is it? Because even if we get a buy for him, even if we get a loan opportunity for him, he's got to want to go. He could still turn down any move and say, no, I don't want to. So I don't know what do you what do you guys think, Ken? What do you think? I think I think the Mesut Ozil thing is is that I've always been his biggest cricket as well, on Andrew. And the reason why I've been critics, I generally believe that Mesut Ozil has fallen out of love with football since the situation happened in the World Cup with Germany. Yeah. Um, the talent is unbelievable. It's the most unique talent I've ever seen for quite a long while, well, probably since Liam Brady. But I think Mesut's best years was at, you know, Werder Bremen, you know, when he was at Germany's under-21s at the World Cup and at Real Madrid. And then maybe for one season, 2013-14 and 15-16, that's it. But I think with Mesut Ozil, um, Sam Unai said after um, after um, his departure from the club is that Mesut Ozil was one of the players that you have to accommodate by surrounding him with work rate and pace and you know clinical finishers. But when you're in a situation where you're having to get results, you know, like yesterday, and you're playing in a struggling team, he becomes a it becomes a bit of a, a liability if he is not playing well and it's not together. One of the consequences of Mesut Ozil is that the conundrum of bringing Ozil back in the team is that we've now pushed out our record signing, Pepe, because we're, try we're struggling to find something and, you know, trying to get him into the side. Because what's happening is that Martin Ellis come uh, through as well. We've got to try and accommodate him. So it's just one of those things where, again, it's, Mes it's the Mesut Ozil question is a question that's been around from day one since he signed the club. Another thing as well, what people need to watch out watch out for is that because Mez Ozil brings the club a lot of um, money in terms of commercial value you can't rule out him getting another contract on that basis as well because you know funny things do happen in football and you know he with our lack of success or lack of Champions League football 
into our merchandise is very much important to the club. So that's the thing. Um, what we what are we going to how do we sub, sorry figure out the puzzle of Mesut Ozil? Like I said, if we could turn back the time and not sign him in the first place, then everyone would. But because we've got him now. And, and we're stuck with him for 18 months. I just really, really hope that um, Mikel Arteta can get the best out of him because if, if he can, then fantastic. You know, a, a fit and firing Mesut Ozil is better than not having a fit and firing Mesut Ozil, isn't I it? Think the thing, I, think, Adrian, I think the thing is with Mesut as well, we can do him some more goals from him. Oh, absolutely. I, mean. I agree. And I think that that's one part of his game that is, I find disappointing. Where you've got someone who's a very clean striker of the ball, mm. has no defensive responsibilities, yet he doesn't get on the score sheet enough. He seems to be more mm. satisfied with, 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 you know, the Hollywood pass or the assist. You know, we, a player of that ability should be scoring about 10 or 15 goals a season. He's, that's yeah. how highly uh, I rate his ability. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think it's I think it's a mentality thing as well of Mesut Ozil because if you give him mentality as somebody like uh, who was he was not as technically gifted as him, but mentality wise, uh, you look That's at somebody Martinelli. like Martinelli. Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking of play. I'm thinking of players from other teams like a James Milner or a Ray Parler of old, or somebody like that mm. who had that head, a Gareth Barry, someone who just give 110 percent no matter what, and they were just consistent with their mentality and their and their kind of leadership qualities. Then Mesut Ozil could be a fantastic player. I agree with you, Andrew. I think we're stuck with him now. I don't think anyone's going to have him. I think we're just going to have to keep him for that 18 months and let's hope that we can get the best out of him. And really, the best out of, the best way to get the best out of Mesut Ozil is to play him in the games where he's going to be good and that's like Brighton at home or Burnley at home somebody like that where they're just going to let us play football at the Emirates that's where we need to play a Mesut Ozil because we'll win four or five nil if you're going to play him at the Etihad or well, White Hart Lane or Anfield just don't bother because he ain't going to turn up and he hasn't for the last six seasons so you know he's mm. been invisible for those so play play him to his strengths and, and it ain't and it ain't doing that so that's my say on the Mesut Ozil thing just uh, quickly as well before we move on to the other topics uh, just one for you, for for you, Ryan and Dan. Pepe, when he came on, I thought he looked really good and sharp and uh, and dangerous. What did you guys think? It's just, it's so odd what's going on there because I think he's contributed, you know, as a, a lot to the team personally. Well, it's, yeah, it's like since Unai Emery's left, we've seen a different Pepe now, a more confident Pepe in his own ability. When he gets to West Ham, he he ran the game on the Arsenal side of it from the, from the first second to the end. So he came off. Oh, I don't. What's going on there? Because it's uh, Emery and Jungberg and now Arteta. They're not starting him. So I, something's going on behind the scenes. I, I, I wonder what it is. I think Lundberg said. I think it's after the Norwich game why he didn't bring him on was because. There's something in training. He's not he weren't seeing the right attitude in training. And once he once he sees the right attitude, then he's more inclined to want to start him. And maybe mm. that's the same thing with Arteta because we saw in the interviews when Arteta was um, unveiled as our head coach. He wants people. He wants players to pay for the club with the right attitude. So it's like a bind, go buy into what he wants. Maybe that's maybe that's a, maybe that is it. Yeah, and I, I think as well. Um, you know, the main the main issue with Pepe so far is. Whether or not he's adapted to the English game as 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 quickly as we'd we'd all like, like I think, you know, just the intensity of it and having to you know sort of track back when potentially league only wouldn't necessarily have to. I think that's something that he's um, 
having to cope with a little bit more um, than he would have expected. So I think if you act, if like if you've seen him when he's on the ball, he does look sharp. He does look quality. You know, he commits players. He makes things happen. I think he was one of our most um, creative players in those few games that he was he was starting. But then mm. I think when he does lose the ball, then you know his desire to then potentially win it back. You know, I'm not sure that's quite there. Like when I seen him um, at the Emirates a few times, he's lost the ball and then you know just starts jogging back and that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm and I'm thinking with you know sort of the attitude that Jumberg and Arteta were trying to get into the boys about this um, intensity and you know desire to not get counted on and that kind of thing. Whether or not he's quite at that fitness level that can that can sustain that. So you know it'd be interesting to see how he how he um, comes into lineups, you know, towards the second half of the season. Because I think once he's, you know, sort of get gets used to, you know, the, the training the training level, the, the intensity levels, then we might see a bit more of him in starting lineups. Mm. I, I, I just love watching him play. He's just so exciting and unpredictable. And not the same style, but he reminds me a lot of sort of when Carney was playing at his, in his best when you just didn't know what Carlo was going to do because Carlo didn't know what he's going to do himself you know, <laughs> until he was doing it you know he, he was just all gangly limbs and everything elastic legs yeah I know and he reminds me a bit of that in in lots of ways so I just really uh, can't wait to see him because I, I know that we've got a player there I personally think that anyway I think we've got a real player there and he's just I mean you can tell what the opposition think about him though by the way the, those tackles I mean seriously yeah, against West Ham well. and, and against uh, Bournemouth the other day you can see what absolutely disgusting and in between them they've had one yellow card so you can see what the uh, the opposition think of him uh, trying to nullify him by breaking his legs but uh, the one good thing you know he seems very resilient from that sort of thing he doesn't like sulk and you know, hobble off and think, oh, I can't be arsed with this. He, he, get, he gets up and cracks on, doesn't he? So that's fair enough. Fair play to him. Um, I'm, on that point, I'm going to actually, we're going to move on to the next uh, plot of subjects. And we're going to talk about the season review so far, as we uh, mentioned before we went live. We're going to talk about the best player of the season so far, the most improved, the best game and the best goal of the season so far. But also, we're going to talk about a couple of things about the decade, the past decade, the Arsenal player of the decade and the best game of the decade. But I'm going to quickly go on to who I think is my personal choice for player of the decade because it links on to what we've just been discussing with Pepe. And I absolutely love watching Pepe play because I just like exciting players who, who, like I said, unpredictable is the word again. You don't know what they're quite going to do. And for that reason, my player of the decade has been Alexis Sanchez because I love the guy. And he really, really excited me in an Arsenal shirt like no other player has for quite a long time. And at the time, we were playing that beautiful tiki-taka football still as well. and But it frustrated the hell out of me sometimes when we used to try and pass the other team to death and walk the ball into the net. And I used to really want someone sometimes just to fucking smash it from 25, 30 yards into the top corner. And that's what he brought to the team as well. So, yeah, he is probably a controversial one, but I, I love the guy watching him play. So he's my player of the decade. And it's uh, sim I'm hoping for similar things from Pepe in the future. So let's go back round clockwise this time. So Potsy, who's yours? Uh, so mine was between two. Um, 
and I was struggling with this one because the 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 kind of obvious one is the one that was been there for the ten years uh, from start to finish. Hey, is the reason that we've won what we have only won in the last ten years has been FA Cups, and that's Aaron Ramsey. But um, I actually haven't gone for him. I've gone for Santi Cazorla. Um, I think with Santi, what he did was, I just absolutely love the guy. Um, I still, to this day, love him. I'd still have him at the club now. He's having a good season, by the way, at Villarreal. Uh, and for me, so two-footed, one of the best technically I've seen at the Emirates. Ask any player who was the best to train with. They all say Santi Cazorla. They don't say Sanchez, Ozil, Wilshere, any of the players we had at the time. They all stick to Santi Cazorla. And I just feel that he made that midfield tick. And we have not replaced that since he's gone. Um, I feel that the years that he was there, he was our most consistent player and probably our best player. So for me, I've gone for Santi Cazorla just though. I do have to obviously have to mention Ramsey, but I've just gone for Santi Cazorla. Fair play. I can't really argue too much with that. We love Santi myself as well. What about you, Dan? Yeah, um, for me, I think those are two great, great shouts um, at the moment. I probably would have agreed um, with you, Andrew, and said Sanchez, just for the pure X factor in, like, just amazing player that he was to watch live and on the TV and stuff like that. He literally, you know, sort of carried Arsenal on his back, I think, for the for the four, three, four years that he was here. And then I think, you know, um, I will have to go with Aaron Ramsey just because he's given me like one of the best days I've ever had as an Arsenal fan um, going to Wembley to watch that um, FA Cup final versus, versus Chelsea. That mm. header um, just after, you know, they'd equalised with Diego Costa and that was, you know, just one of the best moments uh, for me this decade. So, yeah, for me, I'm going to Aaron Ramsey. Don't forget that Sancho scored in two FA Cup finals as well. Yeah, they they weren't the winning yeah. goals, but he did do it. Yeah, he, he did. Him. He did. <laughs> <laughs> and Sunny Cazola. And Sunny Cazola. That yeah, banging yeah. free kick. What a goal that was, though. That was banging incredible. free kick. Banging oh, what a goal. Yeah, amazing free kick. And he just like, it's just like as if he was, I don't know, it's so easy when he scored it as well. He didn't really go run around mad, did he? Anyway, Ken, what about you? I'm going to go with Potsy and I say Santiago Cafola. <laughs> Lovely. To be one of the best players I've ever seen um, in an Arsenal shirt. And I've seen a lot of great players. I've seen Vieira, I've seen Petit, I've seen Pires, I've seen Henri, I've seen Burkhan. But this player was the brain of our team. And to this day, Meza Ozil must be in tears and thinking, when am I... I miss my Santi because he was the glue that got the best out of Meza Ozil. A lot of players have been tried, like Granite's been tried to get the best out of Meza Ozil. We tried him with pace. But this guy was the, one of the reasons why, you know, one of the reasons why I think Meza Ozil played his best football. If you look in the 15-16 season, a lot of it was because of Santi. He was like the quarterback. He was able to give the ball to us, stop. Because you know one of the things I hate about Mesut Ozil, I hate it when Mesut Ozil, you know, goes deep. He doesn't hurt the opposition from there. He stays in the last third. But when he has Santi with him and Sanchez on with him, he could just stay in the last third, just, just you know, anywhere in the front three or just behind the front two and do his magic. And I think Santi Carfola was definitely magic. Another thing as well, I'll never forget two things. Had Alex Bruce scored that goal at Hull in the final, lost mm. behind a goal, we're out of it. And if Santi Cafola didn't score that free kick, <laughs> there would be no 
you know, like, there will be probably another 11 years that without winning a trophy, like mm. nine. And that's why, for me, he's a player of the decade. And I, I feel like crying because, um, one, um, the fact that, you know, he got injured. Oh, let it all out, Ken. Let it all out. You're at a yeah. safe place. And, and most, most, most unfortunately, the good thing about it as well, I'm probably the only one who pronounces his name properly as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Ken. I'm an, I'm an Essex boy, mate. Sorry, man. I know. I'm, I'm an Essex boy, but no. But on a serious level, he he would get into any of the great Arsenal teams easily. Get into. He would have got into the um, side Arsenal Wenger's great sides of them, 97, 98, 0, 02, 0, Sorry, I one, oh two, and he would have got an invincible side. Is that good? All the all the players that you know that you speak to, you know, ex players, all they talk about is Sally Carfola. That's all they talk about. And it's just a shame that, you know, injuries um, robbed us of one of the, yeah. probably one of the technical no, players I've ever seen in football. No he coincidence, was. our away forms just dived off a cliff the moment he got injured as well. Mm. See, that's the thing. You can't Very control true. the tempo of games without someone like him on the side because they have they, the brain of our team. Yeah. And uh, it, it's mad that he, at one stage, you might not walk properly again, let alone play football. Yeah. And the way he's come back is incredible. And apparently, because they had to do skin grafts, he's got a tattoo that used to be on his arm, is now on his leg because of uh, yeah. the skin that he yeah. I mean, that is just and, and one, one, one more thing, one more point, guys. He's actually back in a Spanish squad. I know, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I know. He's probably going to play at the top level for another couple of seasons. But, yeah, I wish we still got him as well. And, it's nowhere. I'm not saying he's in the same class at all. I'm just got high hopes personally that um, Sabayas can do a similar job that he used to do in front of the back four, taking the ball from them and distributing it rather than playing further up the pitch because that's that's what I think Sabayas would be perfect to do if he can adapt uh, to the Premier League. Well, but what about you, Ryan? I have to agree. It's a it's three votes for Santi because. As the guys have said, see him live on TV. Does in the last ten, in the last decade, does no one like him at all? Comes close to what Santi brought to the team. Mm. It's just phenomenal. And to, and as Kenny Ken touched on, without Santi's goal, that two, we were two 0 down. We don't win that cup final because at that time we couldn't see us getting back into it. No, because Hull had two goal lead. They could have set, set up camp, and just yeah. And, it, and the passion he had for the club, he loved the club so much. The little Tommy was at the club. Yeah, he's, no, you're going to start me crying, crying in a minute, like Ken again. He just, no, he just, he just gave everything for the club, and no matter, he wasn't afraid to push forward for someone of his ilk. He wasn't afraid to push forward and get involved in the penalty box and sc- get them goals, mm-hmm. and get, not just to, not just get the assist. He would get the goals. I remember the goal against Tottenham in the FA Cup. Third round, in the year that we won it, mm. it was Ganabri put, uh, put the ball through to him, and he just walloped it. And that was a great game, that. Yeah, and the same season against Liverpool at the Emirates, nil nil. Again, just walloped. He just put the ball. He put his foot through. He weren't afraid to put. He weren't afraid to put his laces through the ball to get the make sure the ball went in the net. Mm. And yeah, again, he was an absolute talent. He's, yeah, it's very very see of. And we were lucky enough to have him for however long we did. Absolutely. I can't argue with any of those choices, really. Um, all good players and all great players. I mean, Ramsey, 
for, for those six months, he had a six-month spell, didn't he, where he literally just couldn't stop hitting the net and from 30, 30 yards. I mean, that half volley he scored. Um, I can't remember who it was against now, but about 30, 35 yards out. Norwich. Oh, Liverpool, no, Liverpool. 35 yards out Liverpool on the half yeah, volley. Yeah, he just did it on the half volley. And, I mean, incredible. And he was literally unstoppable at that, that particular point. Um, another career that um, was blighted by injuries and we could have had a lot more out of him. But yeah, I can't I can't argue either with Santi. Um, absolutely incredibly technically gifted player. I mean, he could just find space where there wasn't any and you could dribble around players in a telephone box. And <laughs> it was just incredible, wasn't he? And yeah, it's a shame. I mean, I can understand the club's decision when he got fit and they gave him an extra year whilst he was rehabilitating to let him go. But surely there was someone at the club that could have predicted that he could, he's going to come back as quickly as he has and to the same sort of level that he has. I mean, that's real shame, isn't it? But there you go. Hopefully we'll get him back in some kind of capacity in the future. And it, the other the other thing was um, mentioning the uh, the decade and, and uh, the year that we've been through is uh, Reyes. Jose Antonio Reyes was big friends with Cazorla, wasn't he? And um, he was one of the reasons why he came over... Um, uh, he wanted to come over in the first place with their love for the club. And, uh, yeah, tragic what happened to Reyes. He was another one I actually loved watching play. Um, I know it wasn't specifically within this decade, but uh, we lost him uh, quite recently. And that's a real tragic shame that was as well. But um, let's go on to the game of the decade. And um, I don't know who wants to, to start with this one. Um, like, Can I start, mate? Yes, of course, mate. Of course. So, sorry, sorry, guys, but uh, you know, I was, I've been itching for that because ever since you said the game of the decade, I've been like a little kid, you know, getting all excited. And I want to say the game. You're going through all the emotions, aren't you, Ken? <laughs> the game of the decade has to be 26th of February, 2012, the same day as the League Cup final between Liverpool and Cardiff. It was a North London derby when we were about 10 points behind Tottenham Hotspur. They were 2-0 up, goal, a deflected shot by Sahar, a goal penalty by Ali Boyor, and one of the greatest comebacks ever, and a thrashing. And because of that game, not only did we um, manage to take the top four from Spurs, but it's because it basically killed Harry Redknapp as a top-class mm -hmm. manager. Because that season, Harry Redknapp was flirting with the England job. Spurs fought England. This guy... Um, was meant to be getting us to the Champions League. That season, um, not only did they not um, finish above Arsenal, Chelsea ran and won the Champions League final, <laughs> finishing six places. The, one of the um, nominees for ch the Champions League in 2012. So but that, that game, that game, not because it was a derby, it was because of the context of the whole season and, what, and how it just turned their season. And there were some really, really good goals. Great goal by um, Robin Van Persie, the equaliser. You know, great pace by Phil Walcott getting a couple of goals. Tommy's Rizicki, another player. Loved him. And they've got one of the goals. They actually made a habit of scoring against Tottenham Hotspur. For yeah. me, that has to be the game, the game I remember a lot. Yeah, it was, um, it was a great game. Really, really good game. Who wants to go oh. next? Brought in up into song now, mate. What's going on? Is there a song? <laughs> yeah, it's my phone. Sorry, mate. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't mind going next. Um, I'm just in in terms of game of the decade. Um, I think there's two that stick in my mind just in terms of how I celebrated the goals that went in. Um, I think that uh, game versus Leeds in the FA Cup third round. Um, oh. I remember that Thierry Henry coming back, scoring the winner with that Henry-esque finish yeah. from the left side of the box into the bottom right corner. I remember hugging my housemate, like screaming down the whole house, you know, just like couldn't believe it, tears in my eyes that, you know, it's a celebration, this, wasn't it, as well? The biggest legend at our club has come back and, and actually scored a scored a winner on his sort of second debut off the bench. That was amazing. And then um the second one for me would be the two one against Barcelona in the Champions League with wow. R Shavin as well at the end there, where you know Martin Tyler commentary up there and it's like and it's Nadri and it's passed it to our Shavin with the celebration putting the putting the shirt over his head you know yeah, yeah that was magical yeah those two for me for sure it was it was fantastic who wants to go next Dan uh Poxy I should say that's all right no worries uh oh man do you know what I love podcasts with different people because they come on and agree with you <laughs> man <laughs> honestly Jeez, I was like, I was like thinking, I have a bit of a debate tonight. I'll disagree with a few people. No, Dan and Kenny Ken. Jeez, I agree with both of them. Uh, okay, my favorite game, I'm going to go with Kenny Ken. The first 5 2 was by far the best. Let's not forget as well that that team was pretty bang average that we had at the time. And it was a team that was not going, in my opinion, anywhere. So to get where we were with that team was pretty sensational. Likewise, the reason I loved the Barcelona one was because I was actually going out to the second leg. I was there that night, but I went to the second leg as well, which we won't talk about because Van Persie got sent off for kicking the ball away, which was a joke. Anyway, um, yeah, was robbery. So I've got to go for, 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 for that as well. Um, Let's not forget as well that we had Johan Giroud at the back against Messi and David Villa. So <laughs> to beat one, to win two one there, Jesus Christ! Uh, if if I if I had to be different and pick one other one though, because it would be um, it would be Kenny Ken's choice five two. If I had to pick one that I absolutely love though, it's one we mentioned earlier, and that's the Chelsea FA Cup final um, because everybody writ us off against Man City in the semis. Everybody writ us off in a final against Chelsea, and we turned it around and we proved everyone wrong. And Aaron Ramsey was sensational. Um, we had I, I tell you who was man of the match actually, BFG. He yeah. was amazing that day. Yeah. Unbelievable that day. So if I had to pick one out there that isn't copying these guys, then I would go for the Arsenal-Chelsea FA Cup final. But 5-2 uh, North London derby, 100%. It has to be, man. It has to be. It's a fantastic game. Again, you know, I can't argue with any of those. What about you, Ryan? Well, I was going to say Chelsea final, just for the, for the exact same reasons Dan just given, literally, were written off. No one gave it a chance because Chelsea had walked the league in this, that and the other. Um, there's, there's so many. 5-2, you said, I was going to say Barcelona second. Just because, again, Barcelona, you, you think about the Barcelona, Messi, David Villa, Iniesta, Xavi, Carlos Puyol, it, beginning of what was the dynasty of Barcelona, the best team in the world at the time. And we went toe-to-toe with them, with a 19-year-old Jack Wilson midfield, and played them at their own game, and scored, a, and scored a Barcelona-esque goal to win the game. Obviously, they're coming back, kicked us, kicked us up the backside in the second leg, but that's another matter. A bit of a corruption, but hey, who, who, who loves a bit of corruption? 
for me, last I've had to be different. That'd be last season's North London derby, four to four two. Like the place was abs- the place was absolutely rocking. The the goals were immense. It's not one point in that game did I think we were to lose that game. Even even when we went one nil and two one down, we won all and then two one down. I didn't think we. Would, I always thought we would win, just because of how the play had gone out from the first second to the end. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Playing to the playing the game plan every twenty minute spell, playing it to the to the t, and and every goal was celebrated like we've won the World Cup. By the players, it was so yeah. To be different, I say that. I have to say that. I'll just say that one. What about yourself, Andrew? I think uh, it's not the best game of the of the decade, but I think the best moment in the game for me of the decade was the Welbeck goal versus Leicester on Valentine's Day. Limbs. Yeah, at that particular time, I couldn't have been more elated in. You know, at all. You know, I genuinely thought we'd won the league after that, that goal had gone in. And, um, should have. It, of course, we should. Of course. I think that moment of that game was, and what can you say about how you feel at a football game? That was probably one of the best moments, similar to when Sol Campbell scored in the Champions League final. That, that particular moment, that was just like, World-changing, mind-blowing, unadulterated ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't. That's what you all follow football for, isn't it? Those moments. But yeah. it's not the best game of the decade. But I think for me, that was one of the best moments of uh, of yeah. a match in the decade. It was just uh, incredible, and yeah. I, I genuinely I couldn't see us losing the title then. So. Yeah. I think that's a great shout, Andrew. Like, mm. I don't think there's been a moment in the past 10 years that I've actually been happier as an Arsenal fan. Like, No, I, I don't think so either. Mm. Uh, I, what, it's been a, a decade of new highs, isn't it, really? But that was certainly a massive high. Obviously, I totally agree with all you guys. The, the, the FA Cup finals as well and amazing. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever felt happier than that uh, for quite a long time watching football. Um. Let's go on to this season then, because it's we've had three different managers so far this season. It's been a going back. I mean, the, as a calendar year, I think it's been one of the worst for a long, 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 long time. <laughs> you know, and I've I've followed Arsenal since nineteen eighty, and I've seen an awful lot of crap football and crap finishes. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever felt as bad, you know, watching an Arsenal team and so down and depressed. As I have this this year, really, but the Andrew, how old were you in nineteen eighty three? How old? Ten. I was um, I was eleven nineteen eighty three. Please tell me you don't you haven't forgotten the Terry Neal days. Oh, of course when, I haven't. When, no. when, when we all went when we all went to the channel, and um, well, I was eleven that time. But friends of mine went to the channel and tried to get Terry Neal sacked. We actually yeah. protested. Do you remember the times when we lost against uh, Walsall at home in the Milk yeah. Cup? York City. Coventry, um, Sunderland, West mm-hmm. Brom, West Ham turning us over. The only yeah. highlights was the fact we beat Spurs in the Cup. I know, yeah. Trying to walk Woodcock. Trust I... me, guys, you guys a lot. I'm an old man with a grey beard, but the two Danes and Ryan, trust me, you think it's bad now. I promise you, mate. Oh, it's horrendous. I, I, I'm a bit worried about you, Ken. It looks like you're thinking into your sofa. I'm back up. <laughs> 
just a floating head yeah. no, I, I, I would never I would never forget those days at all because I used to have them I mean all my mates back in the day when I was in London um, uh, all my mates were Liverpool fans because they were the best team in the land I was getting the piss taken out of me all the time being an Arsenal fan and I've, oh no, I'll never in fact, when I was watching the the um, the Wenger era when it all started, and we actually, I just couldn't believe what kind of football I was watching from an Arsenal mm-hmm. thing. And I said to myself then, I can I can remember this. I said, I'm not going to ever take this for granted <coughs> because I know I'm going to I physically, I just couldn't believe that I was, what a kind of um, incredible football I was watching. So. I, I kind of secretly hoped it would have last forever, but obviously it certainly hasn't. But um, I mean, this 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 season, um, I have to really sort of link it. For me, it, it really started Everton away last season when we lost one nil, and I just thinking, what the what the hell, what, what the hell's going on? And it just, this is just not Arsenal what we've been used to at all. And um, obviously, it con- continued for long, long, long into this season. But let's have a look anyway. The best player, I mean, I'll, I'm going to go quickly because I think it's quite a, an easy one for me. The best player this season so far at the halfway stage has, has still got to be a Bamian um, because he still does the business and he's still been scoring his goals. And I dread to think where we'd be without his goals, to, to be perfectly honest, because we haven't been scoring them from any other areas of the pitch. So, um, he's my vote. Uh, let's go back round clockwise. So, Potsy, what's your vote for player of the season so far? See, I found this pretty easy, if I'm honest. Um, Leno. Uh, I think if it wasn't for Leno, <laughs> we'd be in a lot oh, more yeah. trouble than we are now. Um, uh, just recently, even that world-class save against De Bruyne onto the post last weekend, oh, the, yeah, the weekend amazing. before. Uh, I won. He tipped onto the post for Norwich, unbelievable, a couple mm. of weeks ago. You know, so for me, he's made some great. He doesn't really get enough credit for me. I think he's a top draw goalkeeper with a shocking defence in front of him, and I think that he's got you know a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of potential to get even better as well at the age of twenty-seven or whatever he is now. So. It was Leno for me. I know Aubameyang's put put him in, but um, he he still has frustrated me with some of his attitude of late. Um, yeah. And yeah. it does get to the stage where it looks like he's not trying and people are saying he's lazy and stuff like that. But I don't think you can say that Leno's put much of a foot wrong. And one thing I will say about Leno is when the ball does get passed back to him, I feel confident. And I can't say that about many other goalkeepers yeah. in this decade at Arsenal. So, uh, yeah, Leno for me. I can't argue with that. That's a great shout. And um, if I'm honest, I always forget about goalkeepers that they exist, and I've always th- only think about outfield players. So yeah, great, <laughs> great shout. He's a very, he's a very underrated goalkeeper. I must admit, he is. And uh, yeah, we're, we're lucky to have him at the moment. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to um, second my my namesake over there, like with <laughs> with, Bern, with Bern Leno as well. I think you know he is he is criminally underrated, almost. You know, like if you think about the fact that we only got him for what like 25 million, I think it was as well. And he's he's for me like one of the best keepers in the in the defi- in the division. I think he's probably been, you know, if not the best, probably like top two keepers in the league for me this season, mm. personally. And I think like you know you look at what. Kepa cost Chelsea seventy three million. I'm like, you know, I'm so grateful that we only we managed to get him for for twenty five. So no, he's been incredible. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
Kenny Ken. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the two things. I actually owe this man an, an apology because my last season I was one of his biggest critics. So I blamed him for some of our defeats. I blamed him for the defeat against Southampton last year, which probably was the turning point in the Uno Emery's career for the fact that, um, you know, um, Austin's third goal. I was very critical of him um, in the May United 2 2. And there were certain things he was doing that I didn't like, but he's completely turned it around for me. I mean, you think about it. Wolves at home, he had to face 25 shots. And, you know, and he had to put where a lot of the, quite a few of them were one-on-ones. Watford, 30 shots. And he, he's, it has, it's a situation where, you know, he's had, he's had, he had a, a few Larry moments. Remember the, you know, North London derby where, you know, that shot from um, Lamella, which he fumbled in and Ericsson put in. But the thing is, is that I liked his attitude after that. No finishing for himself. Yeah. No Jim Layton that tactics going to cry to his wife and everything, get his head down and everything. <laughs> he said, came at the bottom. And, and that's one thing I'm impressed by. He's actually captain material for mm. me, where he does yeah. show that sort of leadership. And you know that, you know, with goalkeepers, you, there is a lot of loyalty anyway. And at the end of the day, people say, why is a goalkeeper a captain? Well, they can see the whole picture. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's why, for me, captain material, rather than the captain we have at the moment, for me, a great two dance has to be Burnt Leonard. Yeah. Absolutely, I think you ch- you guys are changing my mind. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> I don't mind admitting that either. About you, Ryan? Yeah, thought it's going to be a full house on this. It has to be Leno because the guy, as people say, gets, doesn't get the credit he deserves because no, of, of the defences in front of him, the, the media, or your pundits. So that they, they don't, they won't take no notice. If he was in front of a, an invincible, say, our invincible back um, back forwards in front of him. He'll be getting all. He'll be getting all. He'll get, he'll get a lot more praise than what he is at the moment. Mm. This guy's faced what this season. This season alone, near seventy odd shots, and like twenty plus shots a game. And as we said, we were three 0 down against Man City the other week, and tipping the tipping the shot onto the post, still making world class saves, not giving up. And learning from his mistakes. That's the main thing. He's learned from his mistakes and the maturity of his game has got better this season. So, yeah, I have to, st- I have to say it's a full house of Leno. Yeah. I mean, that save was absolutely sort of made your jaw drop, didn't it, against Man City? At first, my kid, my, my lad said, um, what a save. I said, what? It came off the post, didn't it? I, I literally weren't looking properly. And then when they showed the replay, I mean, what a save. That is just as like incredible as a goal, that isn't it? It was a yeah, proper, proper incredible moment that was. <coughs> Who's the thing is the most improved player? I don't mind you go first on this one. Put your hand up, no problem at all. But yeah, most improved player of the season. Can we include Saka for the summer? I think Saka has because I think what it is is that he's coming aside where um, firstly he was a he was a left he was a left winger kind of player. And um, he managed to get himself in a situation where he, got, he gained the trust of his manager. You know, steps steps out a bit because, you know, we had um, players coming back from injury. But to get himself in a situation where he's managed to turn himself into a competent left-back. I know he played as left-back when he was uh, in um, the junior teams and under, in, you know, the under-18s and everything. But the fact of the matter is, is that he's, his attitude really impresses me. No head down wants to work, wants to improve and wants to play to his foot team. And you could say the same about Ainsley as well, Maitland-Niles as well. Since he's come back, 
um, and been interesting to side after um, Bellerin's injury again under Freddie and now under Sat, he's improved as well. So it's a bit of a tie for me. But again, because of what's happened this season, we've had a poor season. It's hard to pick improved players. But I would go with um, Bakary. Sorry, Bayoko Saka. Yeah. Okay. Um, Potsy, what do you think? This is going to be controversial because I think he's been really poor the last couple of games. But I have to look at what happened last season, okay? Mm. And who's improved this season. And for me, Saka didn't really play enough last year for me to pick Saka. As much as I don't think Kenny Ken's wrong, I think he has improved this season. I'm going on from what has happened this start of the season to last season. So I am going to go for Matteo Genduzzi. Um He's been pretty poor the last few games, though. He's a, fu- he's a future midfield leader of our team. He's a future for Arsenal. And this I'll is what I mean. Up. And a lot of people have said to me, oh, you can't say that. He's been dire the last few games. Do you know what? No, it, it, he's been dire the last few games, which is why he's been dropped and deservedly so. However, this season, he's been one of the only ones who has shown any desire or passion to want to be on that pitch and take the, the game by the scruff of the neck. You look at that North London derby and tell me that he wasn't the best player by a long way. You look at the Aston Villa game and one of the reasons we come back to 3-2 this season because of Matteo Guendouzi. We went to Old Trafford and nobody gave a damn. He was the only one trying. We went to Sheffield United and we were in the rain and nobody cared and they bullied us and beasted us off the pitch. He was the only one trying. There's been some horrendous games this season that Arsenal have had as a football club, but I cannot say that Matteo Guendouzi has not been putting in the effort. And for me, he has been the most improved. And I look at him on the ball. He is a lot more uh, comfortable on the ball. He's learning that he can't be his um, his kind of immature self in terms of his mentality because he does lose his head sometimes. He's learning. I don't mind a bit of the bite, though, in a player. I don't mind the fact that he's the first one there sticking up for his teammates. That doesn't bother me. A lot of people say to me, that's bad and he's going to get himself sent off. Do you know what? I didn't mind him when Patrick Vieira or Martin Keown were doing it. If that means that he's going to go and do it, then I'd, I'd, I'd stick behind him and give him 100% confidence and belief that he can carry on doing it. So for me, Matteo Genduzzi is one of the only ones I can pick because none of the others for me have got any better. They've either stayed the same or got worse. So for me, it's Matteo Genduzzi 100%. Yeah, don't forget the rugby tackle and... Um... On, um, yes, uh, on Zaha. Zaha as well. yes, on Zaha. Yes, on Zaha. Yes, yes, mate. Preach that. it. Preach <laughs> it. That was beautiful. Preach <laughs> it. <laughs> Fantastic. That was the best. Was so was the best comedy moment of the season. But <laughs> incredible, incredible. <laughs> I, I think. Um, well, I'll give my thoughts at the end. But um, yeah, what about you, Dan? Yeah, I can. Uh, I think probably um, Callan Chambers. I'm going to put in as most improved personally because, you know, I think for me and I think like a lot of other fans, I thought, you know, we need to cash in on this guy um, as soon as possible. Um, in 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 the summer, just gone the summer window, and I thought, you know, if we could get 15 to 20 mil for him, you know, he's not good enough to 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 to, to play for Arsenal. So I've actually been um, pleasantly surprised by his performances, starting with the opening day. Um, at Newcastle, I thought he was very solid, helped us keep a clean sheet that day um, against Everton as well when he's come into centre-back. Um, and when he's played at right-back, you know, I think he's been um, impressive. And I think that uh, is emphasised in that United match when he got that early yellow card versus Daniel James um, playing right-back. And I think uh, in, in mm. seasons gone, gone past, I think we would have seen that second yellow uh, come out and he would have been sent off. But I think he played a very mature game that day, you know, backed off him. And I think he's matured a lot from his, like, two loans that he's had um, outside the club. And I think he he has been um, most improved player in the, in our team this season. 
Yeah, it's my choice as well. That's definitely my choice as well. Ryan, what about you? I was going to say Chambers as well, based on the fact of um, back end of his, before he went on loan, he looked like his career was up at Arsenal, got loaned out, but you but used the loan as a learning curve and not only learned how to be in a back four, like in the back four itself, but a new role for him was a CDM under Manieri. And he's come back this season with a point through, and it's you can see it in the games that he does play that he's given 100%. He's versatile as well. I think it was at one game, one in particular, not the Fires in the Cup, he was playing right back, centre back, left, right, right centre, centre back, left centre, left side of centre back, and left back all in one game. And he didn't complain. And his consistency itself has. And it, look at the season itself. Many players have been that consistent, especially in the defensive side of it. Yeah, he's made mistakes. They all, they all have. That's why we're in the position we're in. But the fact that he's come back, he didn't just come back and let the loan destroy his career. He learned from it, and he's come back, and he has got better. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. And uh, Tony Turner's put a comment on that, saying that Chambers hasn't improved much, though. He's just finally got a run of games. There was a reason player of the season for Fulham the lad needed games. I, I, I honestly think that he has learned from that loan and getting that full season under his belt. I definitely think he's come back a better player. He's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he has given it all in, in every game, I, I think. I don't think he's ever hidden from anything. And um, he's put in some solid performances in his right back as well as uh, centre half. And I think he was really good at the weekend. Um, well, not the weekend. Obviously, throws you out this time of year, didn't it? But uh, Thursday, mm. I—I uh, I mean that that volleyed cross that he did. Um, I can't remember who it was against now. When he got a hat trick of uh, assists that game, I mean that yeah. was quite, that was that was fantastic, wasn't it? Um, and he—he's given us some good moments this year, and I think he deserves a lot of plaudits. And on the same front, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that we made was getting rid of. Uh, Christian Bielik, I was banging on about him all season and uh, especially in the summer and I think we made a massive mistake selling him in, in the summer for 10 million quid because I think he would have been a really good player <laughs> as well in the same sort of vein he he went off on his loans and did exceptionally well without complaining, accepted his loan, uh, took it as part of his learning process with the club and um, we just went up and sold him and everyone was raving about the price we got for him in the summer, saying, oh, it's amazing, we got 10 million quid for him. Well, I'm sorry, but we're being quoted for up in Meccanos, upwards of 70 million quid mm. for doing the same job that Christian Bielik does. Um, and we got 10 million for him, and this doesn't make sense for me, um, because it's up in Meccano and he plays in a, in a foreign league, everyone instantly assumes that he's better. But I don't, I, I thought I really rated the kid. And I wish we'd kept hold of him. I hope we've got a, a buyback clause. On him. I don't know whether we have or not. But uh, anyway, um, this season's best game. What do you think so far? It's really, this is a tough one. <laughs> this is a really, tough, really one. tough, man. This is really tough. But uh, I, I think I, I think I'd have to go with the Aston Villa game at home just for the pure fact that we turned it around to 3-2 with 10 men. Um, I was excited by that game a bit more than the North London derby. I left the North London derby a little bit gutted so because we didn't win. So because we took three points, I'm going to have to go with that to get the Aubameyang free kick at the last minute. We went down to 
10 men with Maitland-Niles getting sent off and then obviously went the goal down and then went 2-1 down and then to get it back to 2-2 with Chambers who we've just been talking about equalising and then the, the, the free kick to win it 3-2 with last men I, I'm going to have to go go with that but it hasn't been great has it to pick one no. but I, I'm going to have to go with that one I think <laughs> Yeah I think I, I totally understand that I, I think mine is the 5 all against Liverpool just for pure oh, yeah. excitement that was amazing I, I just loved that game I mean of course it was Mistake after mistake, but I, I, I came back off watching that game and went on Twitter. So I absolutely fucking love that game. I wish we could play like that every week. And people going, Oh, well, what are you remember all the defensive mistakes? I said, Well, it's exciting, mate. Uh, I've been fucking lacking exciting football for, for so long. I, think, I didn't care less. That was that's yeah, for me. We've had some good performances in the cups. Yeah, watching Sorry, that game on, was like watching Arsenal Liverpool when Arsenal been scored four that, that year, that season, when he first mm. came in. Yeah, yeah. End to end defensive errors, but it was just goals, goals, goals. Oh, it was just an exciting game of football. That's what I like. Anyway, what about you, Kev? Um, I have to go for the game against um, Vitoria of um, Portugal in the Euro- Europa League, uh, the home game when we were 2 1 down. And then those mm. two free kicks from, um, mm. you know, Nicola Pepe was probably worth the admission, the admission itself. Yeah. It was one of those games where you just thought, you know, you just you just knew something was happening. The way he put the ball there, and you thought, right. It just reminded me. Do you remember the time when we put England play Scotland in um in the sort of twenty twenty on the World Cup qualifiers where we um we England were winding up, and then that guy from the Celtic was his name again. Got those two free kicks oh. from my dead. Oh Griffiths, Griffiths. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Griffiths. Yeah. yeah, Griffiths got that, and it, the poor old poor old Joe Hart was in goal. It just reminded me of that where you just knew. The moment was set where he was just going to... It was a pickies moment and he just went bang. And then the second one, we went, yeah, come on, bang. And he went, thank you, goodbye, mm. lead, lead to stage, no more. You know that sort of, um, you know, the Canio moment when he scored that great goal against um, Wimbledon where, you know, he just says no more, no more. And that's how I felt with West Pepe's Wimbledon, free yeah. kicks, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, although... That's, I I that's a similar thing Welbeck Leicester game, isn't it? Really, it's all about the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. It was a shit match. That that game was rubbish, but it was a it's the moment that creates it for you at the end of the game. Well, I, I know where you're coming from. What about you, Dan? It's been, it's been crap this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, I might have to go with one of the the cup games. I think the the five nil against um, Nottingham Forest. Just because mm. I think it was just a really really like. Good, good day. Like I think all the goal scorers, everyone was like buzzing about. You know, Martinelli scored his first goals for the club. I think um, Rob Holding first game back from injury scored a nice header. Um, Reese Nelson scored his first goal um, for, uh, uh, as well. Bellerin came on and got an assist that game as well. First game back, so yeah, I think that was that game had like real feel good factor about everything. There that you know, like you, you saw, like the, the emergence of like what could potentially be, you know, a future star for the club in Martinelli. Plus, you know, like all of the all of the things around, you know, uh, holding and Bellerin coming back from injury. You know, it was just a, it was you left the Emirates feeling like really, really happy that day. So I think that is um that's the my game of the season yeah, so far. Was a good one. Just going to read out a couple of comments. Stand the man. Saying Upa Meccano is streets ahead of Big Lick. We he won't resign his resign his contract, so we get him at a cut price. I I'd love to know though, Stan, and I'm not being funny. You know I love you, guy. 
But how many matches have you actually seen from start to finish with Meccano playing? And how many matches from start to finish have you seen Felix playing? Because I think a lot of this is down to, like I said, a bit of biased against uh, homegrown players like that. I think it, because he plays for a, 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 a different league and his name's up in Meccano, I think everyone just thinks, oh, mate, he must be great. Uh, I don't know. I, I, what's it based on, Stan? What's it? What do you base that on? <clears throat> and, and I've got to have a big shout out to Terry Mancini's hair transplant because he always, always makes me laugh with his comments in the post. Uh, he's my favourite guy. He, he's nothing against the man, but the best game was Unai's last because it reminds me of when the missus left me. It was wonderful relief. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> really, really funny. Oh, dear. Um, right, Tony Turner. When's Canate supposed to be back from his muscle tear? I don't think they will sell Upamakano until the summer. Um, well, if uh, all the there's loads of rumours going around that we're going to be after um, oh god, what's his name? The from Napoli. Um, what's his name? Gone completely out. Help me out. Sorry, Kulabali. Kulabali. Yeah. Thank you. Bloody hell, going to brain fart moment. Yeah. Well. Apparently, he's available for a similar sort of price that we'd have to pay for from Meccano. And I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? That'd be good. Sometimes, if we can get him and Thomas Party, that'd be a game. I'd be a very happy man. Um, right, best man, goal. This is, this is Arsenal, man. We'll end up with Ryan Shawcross. Trust me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it for one second. Um, best goal of the season so far. Who wants to go first on that one? Don't all quite we'll stop running at once. I'll go first. I'll go first because my my favourite one was definitely been um, the goal that Lacazette scored just before half time against Spurs when he he just had that moment where he thought fuck this and I'm going to sort this out myself and no one else is doing fuck all so he just like barged his way through it and just blasted it with his left into the top corner and that was a great goal I, I, I think it was an underrated goal and I think it was a brilliant goal I, I loved it uh, see that that was that was my one the other one I did think of going for though but it wasn't in the league was the Joe Willock one at Anfield yes yeah great goal great goal because that was a hell of a strike. But I have to go over Lacazette, because that got us back into that game. So, yeah, I'm with you, Andrew, 100%. Again, it was, about, it was down to the emotion as well, as much as the actual goal itself, wasn't it? it was, uh, yeah. And when he just scored it and he just stood there, it was a great moment, really good moment. Um, anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, go, I'll go for the second goal. Um, the one, because you know, it's um, um, Potsy. He was talking about uh, um, how... Um, when Dozy dragged us back in the game against in the North London derby, if you look at the equaliser, it was when Dozy's little cross, yeah, beats the offside mm. track, you know, and he manages to, like I said, get a foot out, managed to divert it past um, Loris, you know, VAR did its best, but you know, it was a kind of goal, and it's kind of thing where it's just kind of like the whole state, the roof comes off because it was just one of those things where. The player who's less, who's more likely to get us a goal to get us back to get us the equaliser, and gets the player who actually, you know, single-handedly with you know pure bloody mindedness of a nineteen-year-old, he was nineteen at the time, to just drag us back in the game and said, "I'm not, I've had enough of this. I'm going to do something about this." And I think that was in that context of the game, it was one of those things where you thought, "Yeah, that was a moment," and it was actually a great build-up for the goal as well. Hmm. 
Uh, it was a great goal. And a quick shout out to um, every single one of Martinelli's goals as well, because I'm biased, because I love the kid. Mm-hmm. But especially, especially, especially the first one he scored for the first team, which I think was, that was in the Forest game, I think, wasn't it? The, the, yeah. little, the header. That was, yeah. that was incredibly underrated. That was a great header. It, it, <coughs> fantastic player. But um, Ryan, have you got a, have you got one of your Dutch shout out? Goal? Uh, pretty recent. Uh, Pepe against West Ham. Yeah. Harry um, Tannenman said that in the comments. Yeah. Because just because based on the fact, as I said earlier, in that game, he ran the game from in an Arsenal perspective from start to the end, from the, from the start to the minute he came off. He was yeah. running up the he was running up and down that pitch like you wouldn't believe. He gave ev- he left everything on the pitch. And yeah. It, all it was risen to, up to that point was a goal from him, and he what a goal. It was a good goal. And he, he saw it. He, he also, he saw what it meant to him in his celebration. To the first, his first goal from open play that weren't a dead ball situation. Mm. Yeah, then, it was a good goal. I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I played devil's advocate a bit, but it, I really enjoyed that goal. It was a great finish. But was it any better than the free kicks that Kenny Ken mentioned earlier? I mean, it was yeah. open play. Yes, I, but I was just basically on the it was open, it wasn't a dead ball situation, it was his first open play goal. If it was dead ball, if it was always goals, it would have to be his second free his second free kick because of the pressure it was under. Yeah. Mm. I think that was gonna be I think that was gonna be my shout. Um Pepe's second free kick against um Vitor Guimares, I think they're called Vittoria. Um yeah, yeah just because I think it was postage stamp pressures on you just scored a free kick, you know. Um Get us three points in the group stage, and, and and he did it. You know, it was perfect, perfect free kick. So I think yeah. that's goal of the season so far for me. Yeah, it was a great goal. And Stan replied saying that he's seen quite a few RB like <laughs> big games. Arthur Meccano's playing regular football. Blah blah blah. And fair play, Stan. If you've actually seen a lot of um, Leipzig games, absolutely great. I just wanted to know what it's based on. That was all. And Thomas Mounier will be t- Tony Turner will be his main target this window with six months left at PSG. Bellerin needs competition. I, I I would prefer to go for that Max Aaron from from Nor- Norwich personally. I think he'd be happy. great shot, great shot. I, I really like him and I like uh, Godfrey as well from Norwich. And um, yeah, I, I think he'd be more happy to be the one that battles. For the place as well, rather than Mounier coming from PSG, yeah. probably demanding first-team football. Mm. I'd like both of them to be competitive. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's great talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Todd uh, Cantwell as well. I like him as well. He's like a a young version of um, Grealish, isn't he? He's quite similar in the way he plays. No, Jack, what about Jack? Jack, the real Grealish. Oh, I like Grealish as well. Yeah, but I think we'd get him a lot cheaper. It'd be a bit more realistic. Because I mean, the thing is, Grealish, they they would they would think the same that Crystal Palace think about Zaha, about what he's mm. worth to them, and the fact that he could keep them in the league. He's the best player, isn't he? And uh, they say, well, it's not more, he may not be worth eighty million quid, but to us, he is worth eighty million quid. You know. Best, best case scenario, both Villa and Norwich get relegated and we get them both cheap. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll definitely take the two defenders as well from uh, from Norwich. Um, yeah, I've, I've already rate Godfrey as well. Um, they've got a left back as well. Um, they've got a left back, Northern Ireland International um, Norwich as well. That although we got Kieran Tierney, he's been here for a long time. 
I do like looking at their left back, the Northern Ireland International. Can't think of his name. Um, it's something, Jamal, Jamal, is it Lewis or something? Jamal Lewis, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. Yes, he looks good as well. Yeah, he, he, he does. I mean, they've got a talented squad. And um, I, I, when I put out those names on, on Twitter a few times, I've got a lot of people come back and, and say, we need to set our sights higher than that and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, ask um, Leicester whether they're quite happy with their purchase from Norwich, you know, with James Madison, you know. It, We've got to stop this snobbery, really. If they're good players, they're good players. And um, look where Liverpool got Robertson from, you know, from Hull for eight million quid when they got relegated. And did, they, did, they weren't snobby when they went and got the, the right guy, were they? Southampton as well. They got a place from Southampton as well. Yeah. We don't have to look far. No. We don't have to look far. People think, oh, man, you just took the words out of my mouth, mate. Lewis Dunk, 100%. You look at players yeah. that are in the Premier League already, like Decore from Watford. You don't have to look far. They would all walk into our side at the moment. But what I will say is, linking us with people like Grealish and Zaha, all these people, I'm not interested in any of them. I need to sort this defence and defensive midfield out because at the moment, Pepe, Martinelli, Aubameyang, Lacazette, they're not the problem. The problem is the lack of defensive midfield and the lack of centre-backs. So they're the positions I want to see strengthened personally. 100%. Yeah. We definitely need some um, fullbacks as well. Um, we ain't got none. That'd be quite helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd def definitely like to see any of those guys come in. And I, I, I like Duffy and Dunk, to be perfectly honest. But um, they're both good. And I think Duffy, I said this to someone on Twitter yesterday, I think he scores a lot of goals as well. He's another one. He could get you sort of six, seven, eight goals a season quite easily. And um, that'd be quite helpful he for him. He's been kept at the moment. He's been kept up, was it, by Webster? Yes, that's right. Yeah, which is really odd. Because he's, I mean, Ducky, 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 Duffy and Dunk. Um, great partnership. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're like Ant and Deck, aren't they? You know, <laughs> hand in hand. Yeah. What's the name from Burnley as well? Tarkowski and me, that's a decent partnership as well at Burnley. They it know is. what they're doing. They're well drilled. There's a but listen, we've got David Luiz, Mustafi, and Socrates. So really, there's a lot of defenders that have get ahead of us in our walk into our team. I'll tell you <laughs> Mate, that now. Jeez. Well, this is going back to right at the start of the show about Arteta's first game. We've got to take into account the fact we've got the same players. And I think he did, you know, he did a really good job. And because we look very solid, we we outshot the opponent away from home. <coughs> unbelievable to think that we've done that um, after <laughs> everything we've been through away. And um, let's go on to the next couple of games because on the next show, which is the thirtieth, um, just the day after the Chelsea game, we've got a guy coming on. Um, who's a Man United fan, to discuss the Man United game as well coming up. Because we're, obviously, we have been both equally bad share of shit, haven't we, as, as teams lately. So I thought it'd be quite interesting to get his point of view on us. He's going to, you know, after the, the Chelsea game and what he thinks we've got coming up on the, uh, the, the next day as well, the next game. So... I mean, Chelsea have been doing really poor. And, um, you know, Frank Lampard's obviously immune to any kind of criticism because he's a legend at Chelsea and mm. all the players are so young. Um, so, yeah, he's a media darling. So no one's going to start slagging him off. But it's going to get to that stage soon because they're going off a cliff, aren't they? Mm. Now, it, it'd be just that Arsenal's luck that they turn up on the day and they'll probably thrash us four or five nil. But, you know, it's the sort of thing that usually happens. 
happens to us, isn't they? But I, I think we've we've got to be favourites the way things stand at the moment. Um, personally, I mean, what are your thoughts on the uh, on it, Ryan? Let's go to you first. What what do you think we've got coming up with Chelsea? Well, as I said, as I said at the beginning of the show, we, um, for the, I'm actually I'm actually going to that game very excited just because based on their form and our our performance yesterday, seeing how we performed yesterday, apart from obviously the goal and how we conceded that. That, for, that concerned me a bit. But the overall game plan and what Arteta has managed to do with the squad of players he's, he's inherited at the moment and how he's had to put a winger at left-back who's 18 from our youth academy because our two left-backs are out injured for God knows how long. But we just took the plays yesterday for us looked, as you said, more solid, more together. And if we can carry that over into Sunday... I can't see no reason why we can't win the game. The way, just based on going into it, the way for, where Chelsea, Chelsea are playing at the moment, because they're, lose, they're losing at home to the likes of Bournemouth, Southampton and West Ham. I mean, we ain't been perfect this season, but still, this, at, the, at the most critical point in the season, they're starting to fall off. And that, this is where we can catch them, because there's nothing expected of us. The media still got us off, don't, don't get us wrong. And whenever we, do, whenever the media write us off, is that's when we turn up. Mm. Well, it's there's one thing that we can draw on from the last couple of years. We've, we've been, we have turned it on against the top teams, haven't we? Uh, we've we done it against the bottom team, but we've we've played well. We have raised our game when it, when it's needed. And against Chelsea as well, we have most of the time nine times out of ten have had their number the last few years. Mm. Pop the, the odd occasion in, it, in the, the odd game, we pretty much. Trounced them, three, you know, three one in their title winning season, two 0 in the cup. Better done them last season. Actually played them off the park, but that's all final itself. They done us. They got they got their own back on us in the final. Mm. Not as I'm saying, nine times out of ten we've had their number in the last few years. The only time yeah. they've had dominance over us was when Mourinho was there. For some bizarre reason, when Mourinho's there, we can't beat the bastards. <laughs> well. Dan, what are your thoughts about Man United as well? Because I know that on your podcast, you've got a group of um, fans from all different clubs, haven't you? I know one of you, your guys, is a, is a massive Man United fan. They are, to me, the probably the, one of the most, I don't know, weirdest like teams. Hyde, they? You literally can't tell what's going to turn up, aren't they? Yeah, exactly right, Jekyll and Hyde. You, you don't know what they're going to get from game to game. So how do you think we're going to... I know it's early days, but we've got another match in between. But how do you think we'll get on with against them? To be honest, I'm I'm more worried about the United match than I am about the Chelsea game. I think United on the counter, they're as good as anyone. Um, to be honest, and I think we've seen that when they played Liverpool, when they played Man City, when they played Spurs. You know that if they get their tails up, I think they've got they've got players that that can hurt you, and they like they've got players that like to score against the big sides as well. I think Rashford is a proper big game player um, and he's, he's sunk us before in the past um, when we were, you know, sort of trying to build up a head of steam and stuff like that. So I'm quite worried about that United game just because I think, you know, we've seen it as well. We Our players just seem to get a mental block when we play United. Like I think, what was it, two seasons ago, we absolutely played them off the park and still managed to lose 3-1. Um, you know, De Gea making like 15 saves or something in that game. It's just like their players turn up and they like to beat Arsenal. So 
yeah, I'm not too sure how that will how that will turn uh, turn out. But I'm hoping that you know we'll be a bit more clinical than we have been um, in the past few few weeks. So I think mm. we will get chances, but it's just a, a case of us, you know, sort of putting them away um, for yeah. once. I think uh, we, we against Bournemouth. I think we really, really missed, and he's only eighteen, but he's, he, we missed Martinelli because if we'd have had Bamiang in the in the centre and had Martinelli on the left, uh, I think things could have been a different story uh, the other day. But um, uh, it, it, when I don't want to say we're relying on that kid because he's only eighteen, like I said, but at the moment I think he's his attitude is just incredible. I think he's just so infectious to the other the players around him as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think he could be back, obviously, and make a big difference against them. Um, Ken, uh, I don't know, just in, uh, briefly, what are your thoughts about the upcoming games? How, how do you think we're going to fare? Um, I do have concerns because I think what happens if you talk, look at Chelsea games quickly, the, the games there's the thing with Chelsea there's negatives and positives in playing them. The negatives for Chelsea, obviously, is that at Stamford Bridge, they played two teams that have put two banks of four against them, like Southampton and Bournemouth. And that's why they struggled. They've been hitting the counter-attack a couple of times. I don't think um, we're going to... That's our streets, really. Yeah. Um, one of the things we need to watch out for Chelsea as well, we can't let them do what they can get Spurs. The best players in the field were William, um, Kante and my man, where they took control of the... They're on the front foot against Tottenham. We can't let them do that. That's where Jacka and Mesut Ozil will have to turn up to the party because that is where they're going to earn their money. So for that, and that ain't as strikes will be clinical. We do that and we get on the front foot against Chelsea and get them turned around. We can beat them. May not, it's going to be a lot harder because in Parisian, it's that they've got very good defensively, you know, even though I know a lot of people criticising Maguire and Wan-Bissaka on their day, they can be very good. You know, Luke Shaw kind of a bit of form. But again, it's a counter-attack. They are just, they're, they're, they're like a machine. They're like a, tra- mm. a train, you know what I mean? So that's one thing, you, you know, definitely got to worry about. And for God's sake, I just hope Danny Daniel James doesn't play. Jesus Christ, so you need about 10 people on a motorbike to catch that lad. I mean, I never think anyone mm. that fast. I thought, I thought um, Bale was quick until I saw this lad. But He's those are one, yeah. one of the things is it's Ozil and Jack and need to turn up those games. They need to control the contempt over both those games. They do that and they strike as a clinical. I don't see a reason why we can't get six points, but there's things to worry about. Worry about. Yeah, See, I, I, the thing that worries me, especially with um, United, is that City got turned over by United, didn't they, not too long ago? Mm. Um, so, I don't know. What do you think? And it was, uh, the, the reason I mentioned that, of course, is obviously with the Arteta link. And, uh, mm. you know. Mm. Man United have actually turned up in some big games this season. You know, we, we couldn't beat them at Old Trafford. They beat Man City. They actually, the only team to get anything out of Liverpool this season was Man United, a draw. So it'll be tough. But I want to mention two players because I feel that there's, they have got two players that can hurt us. I'll start with Chelsea because we got them first. I think. I'm right in saying, for me personally, he's one of my favourite ever Premier League players, Angolo Kante. Now, oh. people people who yeah. do not like or appreciate N'Golo Kante clearly know nothing about football because this guy is one of the best players that I've ever seen in that position. He's definitely the best in, in the world in the moment, in my opinion. But mm. I'm struggling to think of ever 
who is there out there that is as good and or better than him? Because this guy is so good, it is scary. And I watched the game that Kenny Ken's talking about in terms of when they played Tottenham. He people went on about Willian and Mount. They were great. Kante was by far the best. It was scary how good that guy was. And I've seen so many times now when this guy just controls a football game and Chelsea don't lose. And if he turns up to the party, then we won't beat Chelsea. I'll tell you that now because he is so good. It is unreal. It's just how easy he makes it for everybody else around him. He controls the game, not just the midfield, the whole game. He controls the tempo of the game. He can see where people need to be so he's so intelligent in my opinion that he sees what side of the pitch to go to is that is that detailed with how well he is in terms of his intelligence on a football field so for me if N'Golo Kante decides that he wants to turn up at the Emirates then we will be in trouble and the other game against Man United believe it or not has not played many games this season but you know he will be fit and his name is Paul Pogba and every time he comes to the Emirates he causes us massive issues. Now, I don't like the guy, and I think he has got an amazing amount of technical ability, but he doesn't always turn up. But you know that he'll turn up against Arsenal. He was fit at Old Trafford. He hasn't played a game since then, but he's going to be fit against Arsenal because they reckon that literally a couple of weeks he'll be he'll be back to full fitness. And when he does turn up, we struggle. Mm-hmm. Saying that, I have seen enough positives to think that we're improving. I still haven't seen enough in that one game yesterday to feel that we'll take three points or six points off of United or Chelsea. So for me, we haven't got that one world-class player that can control a football game like Chelsea and Man United have. And I think Pogba and Kante can do that. So that would be my where I, I feel we may we may we may struggle. Um if I'm honest with you, I know it sounds pessimistic. I'd take two points now out of both games. I really would. The way that we're playing at, at this season, I don't think it would be a horrendous uh, situation to take a point off of both those sides. But listen, I, it's horrible saying that because I, I love to beat Chelsea and United, but I've got to be realistic, boys. And uh, I think if, if those players do turn up, I think we're going to find it very difficult. I, I mean, the only thing I'd say uh, to give us any kind of hope is that last season when we turned over Man United and their their amazing run came to an end. We're the ones that ended it, weren't we? At two nil, and I would never, I wouldn't have given us a one in a one in a hundred chance to doing that at that particular point. We were so poor at the time; they were absolutely flying, and we turned them over two nil. And I, one thing I'd say: it's very early days for Arteta. None of us can say exactly how he, he's going to be, but. I've just got, I don't know, I've just got a feeling he is very tactically aware. And I just hope that he'll come up with a good solution because I fancy our chances against Chelsea. I really do. I think they're really low at the moment, confidence-wise. And I think that's a big part when they've got a young, such a young team. Yes, they've got Kante. Um, and I totally agree. He's amazing. I mean, the only one I can think of uh, in the history is Makaleli, And he's so good that they named the position after him, didn't they? I mean, he was a phenomenal player. Um, but yeah, I think he's probably the best since then. If he's as good as him, I don't, I can't really say, but McAlady was um, immense at that point. But um, Carrie Tannenen's put another question on saying, if Sabayas is available, should he play and replace Ozil? I, I touched on that earlier. I, I really do rate Sabayas. I really do. And I know I'm, I'm quite a small minority of people that rating, but I, I think he's a real good player there. Who's meeting Chris, by the way? Anyway. Um, <laughs> what is that noise? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But um, 
I think Sabayas shouldn't replace Ozil. I think he, because like I said earlier, I think he should, he should sit deep and um, be the one to collect the ball and distribute the ball from sort of a, a deeper position and, and stay around there, to be perfectly honest, because I don't think it's his uh, working to his strengths to play further up the field like a number 10. I don't know what you guys think, but um, I really think that he, he's got a lot to offer in that position. Um, if, he's, if he's fit, should he come back into the team? Um, Ryan, what do you think? Um, I'd, I'd love to see him personally. I'd ease him back in, but I'd like to see him back in the team fully, but not straight away. I'd like ease him back in, give him a few minutes. It's been how bad the injury has been for him and how much um, training he has between coming back into the, uh, the next match. If he's had, if he's made plenty of training, yeah, for, why not? Give him give him sixty minutes, run out, take him off. If not, they bench him and then bring him on for the last twenty, the last half hour. Get him ease and ease him in that way. I mm. don't want I don't want to do what we've done in the past. Bring someone come, someone comes back from injury, just throw him back in, give him full ninety minutes, and it get, they get an in, another injury, and they're out for even longer. So as long as they ease him in, it's man managed right, right. I have no problem with Sabas because, again, like yourself, I do rate Sabas. I do think there's something there, we can, especially now with Arteta and how he coaches players by the looks of it. Mm. We, we can sort of get that out of him. I think that... Um, oh, we've lost Ken. I think that um, Arteta's going to like Sabas. I think he's, he's his type of player, personally. Um, going to change the subject quickly because I need to start wrapping up, uh, guys. But... Um, should we be concerned, Dan, um, about Arteta's comments regarding Xhaka, about how much he loved him when he was at uh, Man City? <laughs> and do you think that we've been conned for the last uh, four, four years and uh, Arteta's that, uh, sorry, Xhaka's actually a good player in disguise? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think we've been conned, right? I think it's uh, it's interesting the comments that he's made because I think, you know, what he said was at the time he thought, you know, he's a big admirer of Xhaka and he he, he thought he um, was one of the players that he, he he would have liked to sign for City. And I think City had been looking for that kind of player um, for for a while. I think they tried to get Jorginho in. They tried to get Fred in as well. So you know, they. they They've been looking for that sort of centre mid um, before they got Rodri in, um, and I think, you know, I think he has to say those things because obviously he wasn't in, he wasn't at the club when all of that stuff's happening with Jacka and the fans and stuff like that. So, you know, I think he's got to say those things because he he's he's a valuable squad member. But I think what else has come out is is Jacka's agent said today that. Um, you know, Arteta said that publicly, but then behind the scenes said he can go in in the summer. So, you know, I think it was just sort of him trying to, you know, trying to keep him here for another six months, you know, just because we might not be able to get a replacement in in January. So, you know, I think everyone knows that Xhaka needs to needs to go and he wants to go. So, you know, we want players at the club who want to play for the club. So, you know, if he wants to go, that's fine. And I don't think Arteta is going to necessarily stand in his way. But I think it's just about us getting a sufficient replacement in. Um, once he does go. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know whether these uh, rumours of Hertha Berlin are true. I don't think none of us will know that until um, 
it actually happens. But what what are your thoughts finally then, Potsy, on on Jacker? There's Jacker situation. And I've got a, I've got a lot of thoughts on Granite Jacker. Uh... <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, um, he's not a shocking footballer but he has a shocking error in him. And I can't forgive people that make the same errors every season. Uh, and we saw it yesterday. You know, it was the, the backing off, backing off, backing off. Oh, they've scored. Man, go to attack that guy. Don't back off and back off. Go to him. And he doesn't do it. Um, he's got no sense of danger. He's got no, he's very erratic. Um, and he's not very spatially aware. He has a good pass on him. has a good left foot. But for me, I would take the money. And whatever we get for Granite Chaka, for me, get him off and out of the club. I believe there is a problem within the dressing room at this club. And I believe there are a few senior players that I would like to see the back of. And I believe that there is a kind of divide in the dressing room. And you've got the kind of German players and the Kalasanak and the Chaka, uh, David Luiz. And then you've got the little French connection. They don't seem to get on. And for me, you've got Lacazette, Aubameyang and Guendouzi that don't seem to get on with Ozil, um, uh, Mustafi, Chaka, Kalasanak um, and all these players. So for me, mm. some of those senior players need to go now. And I would rather see um, players come through the youth than players who make mistakes week in, week out. And Chaka is one of those. So if we can get some money for him, get him off the wage bill, that would be good. Um, I personally respect the way that he has come back. I didn't want to see him in an Arsenal shirt after what he did, but I do think he has actually given his all when he has come back. I think he was a, one of the better players yesterday, but I would not cry to see him go. And you know what? <laughs> I said this earlier to one of the lads. Um, I said this to Manny. I actually would not cry if any of these players left. And that's not many times I've said that over the years. So I include Aubameyang, Lacazette into that because I believe that there are players out there we can replace them with. So I wouldn't cry if any of these players left, but these senior players need moving on, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this Martinelli, I definitely want to keep. I'll keep, yeah. keep Guendouzi. I'll keep a lot of the academy kids to see how they get on because a lot of them are very hopeful. But um, the rest, I've got no attachment to any of them, to be perfectly honest. I agree no. with you. Um, so I'd be happy to lose any of them. And if it's true that Thomas Party has got a fifty million pound release clause, it's an absolute no-brainer. If we can get anywhere near, say, thirty million for Xhaka, I mean, why wouldn't you and go for someone like that? Because he seems to be an ideal solution to Bruss. Um, right, we're going to have to start sort of uh, finishing now. So, Ken, just a quick. One with you. What are you realistic? Let's let's go for a realistic score predictions then for the next two games. Chelsea and Man United. What do you think that we're going to get out of those? And then perhaps Uh, we can reconvene after the the events and we'll see how we got on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chelsea, um, Arsenal 2, Chelsea 2. Arsenal 1, Man United 3. Oh, wow. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, Ryan? Uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, I say 3-2 Arsenal. Because we don't don't do clean sheets. That'd be 3-2 Arsenal. (laughs) And May May United, New Year's Day. 3-1 Arsenal. Oh, that was bold. Yeah, very bold. (laughs) Dan? Uh, I'm going to go uh, Arsenal 
2-1 to Chelsea. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we'll, we'll scrape that, that win. But yeah, no clean sheet. And then I think it will be another 1-1 draw with United at the Emirates. Yeah. OK, cool. And Potsy? Hmm. I'm going like to go... I know, man, I know. <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, yeah, it's going to cost you. But... All right, listen, I'm going to go two draws. I'm going to go 2-2 Arsenal-Chelsea and I'm going to go 1-1 Arsenal-United. Mm. I'm going to be confident against Chelsea. I think we're going to win 2-1. I agree with Dan. And God, it's so tough against United because you never know. By my heart is saying two will lose two one to United, unfortunately. But if I'd rather have that a one win and a loss rather than two draws because it's one extra point. So let's look on the, on the plus side of that. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, thanks ever so much, you guys. I'm going to have to uh, bring it to a close. Everyone watching, thank you very much indeed. Thanks for all the comments. It's been really good and entertaining. Please give us a thumbs up before you go. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. Hit the notifications button. Now, guys, how can everyone get hold of you uh, on social media, etc.? So, uh, Dan, you've got your um, profile, obviously, on your screen. But for those that are just listening to the audio, how can they get hold of you? Yep, um, at Dan Coogs on all platforms. That's uh, Insta and Twitter. Um, but more importantly, follow at Tapping Football. Um, on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's my podcast that I do with my, a few of my mates as well. Seriously, guys, if you haven't listened to it, please give it a listen. And uh, it's, it's really, really good. Oh, the guys that you've got on there with you as well, because Dan's a bit shit, obviously. But all these uh, colleagues... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Honestly, the analysis, is, I think, is really, really interesting. Really good stuff. I really recommend uh, Tapping Football, the podcast. Um, Potsy, about yourself? Uh, so <clears throat> to follow me on Twitter it's on my Twitter handle here which is at DanArsenal87 uh, if you want to listen to more of me on podcasts then please go to the same old Arsenal where you will be listening to myself, lead judges Harry Simu um, Craig Scott and Graham Brooks and we do that every Monday around about 7 to 7.30 so the same old Arsenal and I am a bit part of the Guns and Yellow Ribbons as well so that's at Guns and Ribbons on Twitter or Guns and Yellow Ribbons on Facebook Both great podcasts as well again highly recommend those and uh, Ryan yours another one I recommend (laughs) (laughs) Oh oh, well I do I mean seriously I listen to them all so I, I, I can say that with my hand on my heart yeah, well, my Twitter handle is on the screen, but I say it as well, at Arsenal 89 And as you said, my podcast channel on my YouTube is the Mr. Arsenal, Park, Mr. Arsenal Podcast. Fantastic. Excellent. Kenny Ken, how can people follow you and listen to you and so on and so forth? Well, my Twitter handle's at, at KennyKen1972, as is my Instagram, where I, I put a few videos on. You know, I try and they're all one minute, so I don't try it. I don't, they don't last long. And Sonny, unfiltered, has taken pity on me. And he's, uh, he's asked me to, you know, be, give more contributions towards Sonny unfiltered. So I'm, um, he's made me a part of that. Apart from that, I'm, I am, I'm basically um, a stowaway 
and I'm a refugee who, who basically waits to be asked to go on other people's shows. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Well, you've seen, I don't know if you still are uh, so often, but you always used to be seen on AFTV all the time as well, didn't you, Ken? Yeah, I, 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 think, I, think, that, I think we don't talk about that. I think AFTV's got a few quite bad press and, Oh, bless you. I don't know whether I don't know whether I'm going to come home in one piece. Whether so, I'm going to be shattered then, or someone's going to hit me with a, a steak fork because of my association. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, thanks to everyone uh, that's watching. Carrie Tannen, Terry Mancini, Carrie Tannen, uh, Troy, Tony Turner, Stan the Man, and um, Gunner Talk, the Psycho. Um, all of you, really, thank uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, look forward to seeing you all, hopefully, watching in on the 30th, which is the next show that we've got coming up in three days' time after the Chelsea game. So, take care, all. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Cheers, mate. Take Cheers, care. Boys. Bye-bye. Cheers, Bye-bye. guys. Enjoy your time. Happy Christmas. Have you liked it yet? No? Why not? What's going on? You should be ashamed of yourselves. Your grandparents right about now are thinking, uh, wrong ends. Absolute wrong ends. This is wrong, and you know it. Start liking, start subscribing, get on with it. Thank you very much. Responding to uh, Yankee Guna, you said that a good coach is someone who has good ideas and can communicate those ideas strongly as well. And I totally agree. And um, he obviously, well, he being Arteta, obviously, um, was an excellent communicator during those press conferences and the interview he came across exceptionally well really held the room with what he was saying Uh, he's uh, articulate he's forward thinking he's obviously learned from the best in Wenger and in Guardiola and I think you're right he is one of the best communicative coaches that I've seen for quite a long time and you know what I would say on top of that is that he's actually a better communicator than Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola is actually quite prickly, he's not as articulate in the way he speaks as Arteta was and he's often very sarcastic with the press and he just doesn't communicate as strongly as Arteta so I'm not going to say he's better than Pep Guardiola but at the moment potentially he might have a higher ceiling than Pep Guardiola we'll have to wait and see so I think you're quite right in what you said about it being very doubtful that he could fail because he has got brilliant ideas and he is an excellent communicator getting those across to the players 
So there you go. I don't know what you think about that, but I do believe that he was probably the best communicator that I've seen for quite a long time, including over and above Pep Guardiola. Thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. We really need your help to spread the word about From Dar Square to Where. So if you haven't done so already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the From Dar Square to Where YouTube channel and hit the notification button so you never miss a live show. And finally, please tune in to the live shows. Don't forget, you can get the chance every week to be the star alongside Andrew and his great guests just for being the most entertaining viewer on the night. Thanks again and see you on the next episode. Bye!